Well, we are spending some time the first part of uh, this year just asking uh, what the disciples ask uh, for God to teach us uh, how to pray. And I hope a note-taking guide will be helpful uh, for you uh, in that this morning as we break down another uh, phrase, uh, petition out of that Lord's prayer, that model prayer. Well, before we dive in, just uh, just a couple things. I don't know, uh, it was already mentioned, it's Super Bowl Sunday, but it's also Groundhog Day. Everybody aware of that? And I don't know if you were aware or not, but when it's Groundhog Day on a Sunday, there is, there is kind of a, a significant thing that happens, that if the music minister sees their shadow, you sing six more stanzas of every song there. So uh, I don't know how all that went uh, this morning, <laughs> whether he saw his shadow or not. But uh, well, we are watching Super Bowls, uh, lots of uh, energy, excitement, uh, commercials, uh, all of that going on. Uh, but I did want to just uh, mention in that context uh, that um, there are eternal things going on, and certainly so thankful for groups that, uh, that target some big events like this to be able to share the gospel, but also just wanted to kind of say uh, to us as a church family, uh, thank you for being a part of what God's trying to uh, do and is doing uh, through uh, that section of the, the world. It's held there in Miami, the Super Bowl this year. Uh, there uh, are, according to uh, North American Mission Board uh, statistics, about 78.8% of the people in the South Florida area are in need uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, about 21 million residents in that South Florida uh, area now. So huge, huge population uh, center. Uh, and as a part of, of trying to reach uh, that community, a very diverse uh, community in many, many ways with the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, you help uh, through your prayers, uh, through your tithes and offerings uh, to support. Uh, we have 43, right now, 43 church planters in uh, Dade, uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties there in that Miami area seeking to, to start uh, new works to reach this, this incredible population base with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I uh, certainly encourage you, maybe if you tune into the game, just uh, maybe as a, uh, just a provoker to uh, pray uh, for uh, the gospel to go forth in that area and for those uh, uh, church planners, and just thank you. Thank you for helping to make that happen uh, through uh, tithes and offerings that really do work across the street and uh, around the world. And with that, I hope that if you're getting the e-newsletter, and I think there's information in the worship folder as well, uh, we're trying to just spotlight uh, one of our missionaries that we help support uh, week by week. And so you can just do a quick click on the, the email uh, link there, uh, and it'll just give you a short little read or story about uh, one of our missionaries. So I encourage you to use that as a, as a prayer opportunity as well. Well, as we think about uh, prayer, uh, we, we've looked at uh, several of the petitions uh, in this model prayer. We've looked at the, the address uh, to uh, our Father, which art in heaven. And then that, that priority petition of hallowed be his name. And that's where you talk about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now we get to the phrase that perhaps most of us instinctively go to when we go to prayer, and he talks about asking, give us this day our daily 
bread. But as we, we think about that, I, I've just th- thought about uh, the fact that you, God encourages us. We're encouraged in the New Testament to be uh, like, like children. And, and I thought, well, let's start off with some children's prayers. These are always fun. So let me just give you a few of these. Debbie, age seven, said, Dear God, please send a new baby for my mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries way too much. <laughs> Maybe you can identify. Jimmy asked, dear God, who did you make smarter, boys or girls? My sister and I really want to know. Norma asked, how many angels are there in heaven, God? I'd like to be the first kid in my class to know the answer. <laughs> dear God, Angela writes, this is my prayer. Could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. <laughs> oh, one fellow was uh, pretty good. Hank said, God, thank you for a nice day today. You even fooled the weatherman. <laughs> That's not really that hard to do, is it? Uh, 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 Lois says, please, God, help me in school. I need help in spelling, adding, history, geography, and writing. I don't need help in anything else. (laughs) I've about covered it there. Oh, let me just give you a couple more. Susan, uh, age nine. Dear Lord, tomorrow's my birthday. Could you please put a rainbow in the sky? (laughs) Pretty cool, isn't it? David, a little more practical. David, age seven, said, Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father? (laughs) I like that. Oh, but here's that. Here's a neat children's prayer as you go to sleep. Dear God, before I go to sleep and end another day, I'm happy that you're always here to listen while I pray. Please bless my special family, Lord, whom I love as much as you. Please help me to be good for them the way you'd want me to. So God, please watch me as I sleep. But Lord, before I do, it's good to know you're loving me as much as I love you. Good night, God. That's not bad, is it? That's not bad. You know, when it comes to our praying, we're to be childlike, but not childish. We're to be childlike. We look to a father. We look to this father who is stronger and wiser, who has all these resources. And we look to him, we recognize our need for him. But we're not to be childish, uh, just self-focused and self-centered, and, and our world is so, so, so very, very small along the way. Childlike, but not childish. And yet, asking, asking for our, our wants, our needs, uh, pouring out uh, the, the frustrations we have, the, the hopes, the dreams, the fears, all of those things are a legitimate part of prayer. It's part of what Jesus taught and when he taught us how to pray. And if we just take this one very simple phrase, this, this kind of example phrase, give us this day our daily bread, well, we find some, some just really quick prayer principles that this reminds us of. Uh, the give, first of all, is just the principle of asking. That we are invited, we are encouraged to ask. Asking in prayer is not wrong. It is certainly part of the design of prayer. In fact, as James said, you do not have because you do not ask. 
That asking is an inherent part of praying. That God has chosen in his sovereign uh, rulership, his sovereign providence over creation to use our prayers as one of the agents, one of the avenues of bringing about what he is purposing to do in the world. We do not have because we do not ask. And so we we are to ask, the principle of asking. Uh, But also, it's us, plural, our, give us us this day, our daily bread. And we, we've touched on this earlier in the series. We'll call this the principle of community. The principle of community that our asking is not just for ourselves, uh, but it is also uh, for the needs of others. So Paul wrote to the Philippians, let us look, uh, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We look to our own interests. There's legitimacy to that. We, we cry out in prayer. But as we pray, let us not just be about our own interests, but also the interest of others. And so you can take from this petition, give us this day our daily bread, not only in the petition asking God for ourselves, but intercession asking on behalf of or in partnership with others. It's the principle of community. Give us our daily bread. But it is today give us this day, today, our daily bread. It's the principle of daily dependence. That what this phrase reminds us of is that we are daily, continually dependent upon God. Later in this same chapter, as part of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Uh, that the day comes to us, kind of a, life comes to us in day-sized compartments, if you want to think about it that way. And, and in a sense, we, we can focus our prayers there, that recognition that daily, even moment by moment, I am dependent upon God. My daily prayer, my prayer as the book we're working through says, prayer with no intermission is a recognition of my daily, even moment by moment, dependence upon God. But then he tells us to pray for bread, this this staple of life. And I think the bread is representative of a principle of inclusiveness. Uh, that there are so many things that we could just carry. There's, there's this almost unlimited sense of what we can bring before God in prayer. Peter summed it up this way, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. All's pretty broad, isn't it? <laughs> All your anxieties. Well, whatever it is, sometimes we say it this way. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about, right? If it's worth you taking up time to, to worry about it or fret about it uh, or be anxious about it or even regret, whatever it may be, it's big enough, it's important enough to pray about. We can cast all of our anxieties, all the concerns of our life upon him in prayer. Now, when Jesus was teaching this, he was teaching to folks that would have had a Jewish background, and they certainly would have been reminded almost in this, this bread of the connection with the Exodus experience. You remember? The Lord said to Moses, they're coming out of Egypt, going into the promised land. God makes provision for them. Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. 
He, he built in the, this rhythm into their journey uh, that they would recognize a daily dependence upon God, uh, a daily submission to God's will and God's way, God's law, that they would walk in that. And bread was this, this representation of this, this daily dependence upon God, this daily commitment to walk in his ways. And then, of course, Jesus picked up on that analogy, even identifying himself when he declared that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There is not only the physical needs of, of daily bread to keep our physical bodies going, but our spiritual needs, emotional, relational, financial, whatever category you mean. The principle of inclusiveness reminds us that we can carry all of these things to God in prayer. But there's some specific implications that Jesus teaches out of this petition, and I, I want to make sure we kind of recognize them this morning. I, I know for many of us, in some sense, this will be, well, I already knew that, or I, I understood that. But, but just, just to remind us, three implications. The first is that I seek God. He's telling us to seek God as the answer to my needs, uh, that I turn instinctively, I turn more and more toward God as the answer to my needs. Uh, Paul would write to the Romans, he, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now think about that. He's just saying, why would you not ask? Why would you not turn to God and rely upon him? The one who declared that you are so valuable to him that he intervened at that appointed time in human history, that God became flesh and dwelt among us, uh, that he did not spare his own son, but gave him up. He went to the cross for us. How will he not, the one who was willing to do that for you and for me, how will he not, along with him, also graciously give us all things, whatever I need, to be and do whatever it is that God wants me to be and do. He will supply. I look to him. I rely upon him for those answers. Matthew 7, just a little bit later in this same teaching on the, on the mount. If you then, this kind of contrast, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Who ask him. If, if, if an earthly parent, as imperfect as we all are, knows how to give good gifts, how much more is our perfect heavenly father able to, willing to, give good gifts to those who ask? What this reminds us of is that prayer is intended to be our first response, not our last resort. That it's not to be that thing, I have tried everything else, now there's nothing left to do except pray, right? We've all said that, right? No, 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 no. That, that part of living 
in Christ. Part of living, uh, abiding in Him is that prayer becomes my first response. It becomes the instinctive way uh, that, I, that I encounter life, that I do life, that I uh, take on challenges and problems and opportunities and all those things that, that I seek God as the answer to my needs. But in doing so, the second implication is I also declare my dependence. Prayer is my declaration of dependence upon God. The reverse of that is when I function prayerless, when my life is marked by a prayerlessness, it it is as if I'm saying, God, I don't need you. God, I am not dependent upon you. I am self-sufficient. I am am good enough as I am. Uh, But prayer is my declaration of dependence. This daily prayer is this daily reminder that I am dependent upon him. James says every good and every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever says that he is the author. He is the creator. He is the one who enables every good and perfect gift. And you may be saying, well, I, Jeff, man, I hear you, but listen, dude, I work hard. I've worked hard for my stuff, and I, I've tried to be smart, and I, I've tried not to be frivolous, and I've saved, and I've invested, and, and done all these things, and I've tried to take care of my health, and I, I've tried to be good for my family and teach them how to do right and all those things. And I say, yes, absolutely. But who is it? It enabled you to do that. In fact, is one of the warnings that God gave to the Hebrew people. It says, when you move into the promised land, when you begin to experience abundance, don't forget. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. I mean, let's face it, last Sunday reminded us as a culture that you can be incredibly wealthy and very, very healthy and a loving father or a mother or a teenage daughter and your life can end. whether you are anonymous to most of the world or well-known. Every beat of my heart, every breath of my lungs, every day is a gift from God. And I recognize in prayer my daily, dare I say even moment by moment, dependence upon God. See, God wants us to ask daily, not because he likes to hear us beg, but because we have short memories, because we forget, because sometimes we, we begin to, to, to slip into the mode of I've earned it, I deserve it, I'm better, quicker, smarter. And in those moments, I come moment by moment, day by day, 
Don't deny that you worked hard because that's, again, God, God works through our prayers. He works through our efforts, our labor, our thinking. He's chosen to work through all of those things, but it is God who works through all of those things. And so I declare my dependence upon him. It reminds me, it reorients me back to my daily dependence upon God. A third implication of this phrase in this prayer is that I rely not just on my resources, but I rely on God's resources. Paul writing to the Philippians says, and my God will supply every need of yours, not necessarily every greed, but every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Out of the abundance of all that God is and all that God has, he has the resources to meet every need in my life. And so I look to him, I cry out to him, I I depend upon his resources along the way. Again, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. He talks about Gentiles worrying about all these things, what they'll eat or clothing or all housing, all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. That's why we said last week before Jesus taught us to pray, give us, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That I rely as I align myself with his purposes and his priorities, I can rely more and more on his resources. Oswald Chambers, writing in his classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, put it this way. Think of the last thing you prayed about. Were you devoted to your desire or to God? Determined to get some gift of the Spirit or to get at God? Your father knows what you need before you ask him. The point of asking, hear this, the point of asking is that you may get to know God better. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Keep praying in order to get a perfect understanding of God himself. As I ask, it is not only the conduit through which God meets and supplies my need, but it is a conduit upon which I get to know God better, that I come to see myself and God and the world differently and better. So I want to give you this this next expression because I I hope it'll be encouraging to you because I really feel like if you grasp this, it it changed the way you ask. It, It can change the way that you pray. Petitionary prayer works best when we understand that we're praying to God our Father and not a genie. Right? And sometimes, sometimes when I, I hear the things that are being taught or, or read books or something, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's, well, you need to pray in this way because, like, this is the right way to rub the lamp, right? And if you kind of, like, do it right, then, then God's, like, obligated to give you this or give you that or whatever. Thank God 
that we don't pray to a genie in a bottle. We pray to our Father who art in heaven. I mean, we've all read the stories or seen the movies where life gets messed up when somebody has three wishes, right? <laughs> because sometimes it's hard to know what to wish for. And sometimes when you wish for something and you think this is the right thing, you don't know all the unintended consequences of that wish, right? That is why it is so encouraging to me. And I hope it'll be encouraging to you to know that when we ask we're not praying to this genie in a bottle who, who he's just like, okay, you asked for it. You don't know what you asked for, but here you go. But we're praying to our heavenly Father. And because we're praying to God, our Father, there are some things that can be true in our life. Because I'm praying to God, my Father, I can trust in his power and love. I can trust in his power and love. We read this earlier, Matthew 7. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? <laughs> if if an imperfect parent knows how to do this, how much more does our God know how to give good gifts. And he not only knows how to do it, but he has the power and the love, the desire to do it. John Newton, who's perhaps best known for the hymn Amazing Grace, uh, wrote this about prayer, and I keep it with some material uh, for my personal prayer time. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. His grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Think about that. Think about the God who we pray to, that we can trust in his power. We can trust in his love. It's been said that, that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Uh, that we come before him with this, this sense of we trust. We trust our Father's power. We trust his love. I'm coming before a king. Large petitions with, him, with you bring, because his grace his power is such that none can ever ask too much. When we understand who our Father is, when we understand the greatness of our God, that's why Jesus taught us to pray by first focusing on the greatness of God. When we are reminded of the greatness of our God, we trust in his power. We trust in his love. It changes the way that we ask. But not only can I trust in his power and love, but because I'm praying to my Father, I gain a perspective. I gain a perspective by focusing on his purposes. I gain this perspective that as I come and as I ask and as I pour out my heart before him, that doesn't mean I always get what I want when I want it. But something happens to me. Something happens as, I, as God shapes my understanding. He shapes my priorities. He shapes my will. He, he shapes the way that I think and look and view reality. And that's what happened to Paul. The classic example there at, in uh, 2 Corinthians is he's, he's crying out in, in prayer and he's asking for God to, to remove this, this thorn in his flesh. He writes about it this way. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan 
to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times, and that's not just say he only did it three times, but it's a sense of repeatedly. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He he was asking boldly. He was asking, he desired this to be removed. But God didn't remove the messenger of a thorn. But he did change his perspective. Please, please don't walk out of here hearing something I'm not saying. And my batting average is no better than anybody else's, right? And you you cry out to God, and that doesn't mean you get everything you want when you want it. Because you're coming to a father, not a genie. But as you pray, as you seek his face, you trust in his power and love. But he also is able to give you this, this perspective by focusing on his purposes. And that's sometimes our greatest need. You see, our deepest challenges are oftentimes a matter of perspective, more so than circumstances. And please hear me, I am not for a moment diminishing what anybody is walking through right now. And I know, I know what some of the things I've experienced in my life. I know some of the things that you've experienced in some of your lives. I mean, some of those challenges have been huge, right? And some of you are in the middle of it right now. And I'm not, I'm not saying that challenge is not hard and difficult and painful. But I'm saying our instinct, particularly in our flesh, is change the circumstances right now. And God, as the wise heavenly father, they say, I may or may not change the circumstances, but what needs to change first is you. Your perspective, your heart, your priorities, your focus, your growth. Because I pray to a father, he allows me to gain perspective by focusing on his purposes. That's why I think the order of the prayer is as it is. There is a reason we come to give us this day our daily bread after we focused on who he is and who his character and his kingdom and his priorities. And it gives us perspective. But there's a third thing that kind of grows out of praying to God, my Father. And that is the fact that I can find a peace. I can find a peace by looking toward his wisdom. What we know, if we looked at these verses, listen, good parents don't respond to unwise requests, right? Just because a child wants it doesn't mean they're ready for it. Doesn't mean it's the best for them, Right? And, and we've all had that experience, you know. We, we, we thought this was the right direction and, and this is what we really wanted. And, and then maybe weeks later, months later, sometimes years later, we look back and say, oh, I am so glad that didn't happen. And that Garth Brooks even sang about that, right? You know, thank God for unanswered prayer sometimes, right? Well, it's not unanswered. The answer was just no. 
No. As a wise heavenly father, I would not open your life up to that. Hebrews is interesting scripture is talking about Jesus as he lived uh, here on the earth. Talked about in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death. And now this next phrase, and he was heard because of his reverence. Now pause. Wait a minute, time out, Jeff. (laughs) What do you mean he was heard? The one who could save him from death. Because last time I read the Gospels, he was still crucified. He still died. He agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane with, with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And yet to the cross he went. Yes, he was heard. Yes, he was heard. And God, in one respect, saved him from death, but perhaps not the way he would have asked. He didn't save him from the cross, but he took him through the cross, into the tomb, and raised him from the dead. We pour out our hearts to God. And we have our understanding of how God should hear and answer that prayer. Sometimes the God who hears answers in a different way than we ask. The way that we spelled the request and the way that he spells the answer are sometimes two different things. And in those moments, we find a peace by looking toward his wisdom. Here's another phrase that's just encouraged me in my prayer life. I hope it will somebody this morning. God will always give you what you would have asked for if you knew what he knows. I hope that'll encourage somebody. <laughs> I, 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 find, I find encouragement in that because I, I can pray, pray boldly, uh, surrender completely as we've been saying. Uh, but, but I can pray knowing that I, I don't have like this horrible responsibility like, man, I've rubbed the lamp and I've kind of set this thing loose and I sure hope I ask for the right thing and it doesn't like blow up. No, no, no. I am praying to my Father and I can trust in His power and His love and He helps shape my heart and my life and my perspective and I can find a peace by looking to His wisdom and even when His answer is spelled differently than I spelled my request. What I know underneath it all, even when I don't understand it all, is that God in his wisdom and God in his love and God in his power, my heavenly Father, when I ask, may not give me the what I ask for the way I ask for it, but I am confident that he would give, he'll give me what I would ask for if I knew 
what he knows. And I find tremendous peace in that. As we pray, as we ask, we can be assured that God is not only aware of our needs, we don't ask to inform him. He already knows. But he is able to meet our needs and he desires to meet them in the best possible way. I have a small group of guys meeting with our D group and we're kind of reading through the New Testament together. We journal and kind of talk about what it is that God's showing us in his word. And we've been in Matthew's gospel here in just the past few weeks. And Matthew 20 is just one of the chapters we just read just recently. And in that there's this episode and maybe, maybe you're familiar with it. it. It happens in the area of Jericho. And Jesus is passing by, and there's a couple of men who are blind. And they shout out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the disciples, they're kind of like, you know, this is an inconvenience, uh, but, you know, divine appointments often come as interruptions. They, they probably would have walked right on past this miracle waiting to happen. They had places to go, things to do, but Jesus stopped. And there in Matthew 20, verse 12, he asked them a loaded question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you. Now, you're just reading through that, and there's a part of me that wants to say, uh, excuse me, isn't it pretty obvious? <laughs> I mean, I'm not divine, but I think I got to figure this one out, right? And Jesus, you like already know what people are going to ask for before they ask. Why take up the time? Why was it important enough to record in the scripture this question? What do you want me to do for you? I mean, is it even really necessary for you to ask that? Jesus didn't ask that question because he didn't know what they needed or wanted. He wanted to make sure they knew what they wanted. Because it was not only going to change their life in all the ways that they maybe thought were better, but it was going to change their life in ways that maybe they hadn't really thought about or expected yet. What is it that you really want me to do for you? Can I extend that question to you and I? What if? What if Jesus, in the moments that we have here, were to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? Would you be able to spell it out? I mean, specifically, what are you asking God to do? What is the promise? What is the miracle? What is the dream that God has put in your heart? 
You see, sometimes we ask, but it's almost like we're trying, I don't know if we're trying to protect God's reputation or ours, but we ask so generically, so broadly, that at times we would even struggle to know whether he answered or not. Okay. Lord, bless the missionaries, bless our families, and bless this food. Amen. What does that mean? I'm not not against that, but what does that mean? How would you know if God answered that prayer? What do you want me to do for you? See, too often, we rob, I thank God, of the opportunity to answer our prayers because they're so vague. Hear me this morning. Don't worry about when God answers or how God answers. That isn't my responsibility and it's not yours. Our privilege, our responsibility, we hope to discern as best we can what it is that God's up to and what he wants, but then we humbly and yet boldly ask him for it. And we trust God that his answer and his timing, even if it's spelled differently than my request, is going to be from the heart of the Father, is going to be what I would have asked for if I knew what he knows. And here's the greatness of our God, that he often throws in a few holy surprises along the way. Some things that we would have never thought of or never anticipated. Let me just say it again. My track record is no better than probably most anybody else's in the room. I don't have the the bottle or the lamp. But I tell you what God is teaching me, because there's always a journey, is to ask Ask boldly. (laughs) Ask specifically. Don't worry about trying to protect God's reputation. Don't worry about even protecting your reputation. Well, what if you pray this and somebody hears it and it doesn't happen that way? Aren't they going to say you have a lack of faith or you're not really connected to God? That's their issue. (laughs) Ask boldly. Surrender completely. Because you and I have the incredible privilege of asking of a father, not of a genie in a bottle. Let's pray to him together, please. Father, thank you, thank you for this privilege of prayer. Thank you, Father, in in another one of the mysteries we do not fully understand nor I'm sure fully appreciate. You have chosen to move through the prayers of your people that so many times we do not have because we do not ask. And and Father, yes, we we ask amiss and yes, we get things all kind of scrambled up and yes, sometimes we're more childish than childlike, but Father, thank you. Thank you 
that we can pray to a father who is more than capable of sorting all those things out. And as we continue to draw near to you, it becomes more about getting to know you, more about becoming who you have created us and called us to be, more about joining you in your best in our lives and through our lives to others. And so, Father, today, would you help us to ask with daring specificity that we would ask boldly even as we surrender completely because we are coming to a king who happens to be our loving Heavenly Father. And I want to ask you just to be still in his presence for just a few moments more.